welcome you into the last gateway to baseball heaven before the season. I'm Daniel Shoptoff, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me as always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Tara, we are just, what, four days away from games actually mattering. Um, we are, you know, I don't, we got 162 games, hopefully, knock on wood, in front of us. Um, it's kind of hard to believe we're, we're at this point because, you know, by this time last year, we would, everything was shut down. So we're two years away from, you know, hitting the beginning of a full season. Um, and it's kind of interesting to be right on the, on the doorstep of it. It is. And it feels a little bit different than it has in past years too, because of that, because mm-hmm. there's always this buildup to spring training beginning. And then there's the excitement surrounding that and the intrigue around the stories that develop in the spring. But then there's always this countdown to opening day that's very much on the forefront of everyone's minds as fans, as well as in the conversation on broadcasts and that sort of thing. And of course, that's all still been there, but almost with bated breath, I think a little bit, or maybe just with a different kind of interest because of everything else that's happened in the last year or so, baseball or otherwise. So it's definitely a different position to be in. It's exciting. But at the same time, I know for me, I've still felt a little more removed from baseball than I I have been in the past. So I was thinking about it today, knowing, wait, baseball starts this week. What day does it start on? (laughs) And I was like, it's a good thing I don't, you know, host or co-host two different baseball podcasts and need to know things like that right so right now right. i know i did figure it out and i was i was remembering all of those things they it all came back to me at some point but it's going to be exciting to see baseball that feels a little bit more normal and looks a little bit more normal and also has the the same kind of meaning that we are used to in a season where you know you have a hundred plus games to play with as opposed to 60 games to play with as opposed to are they even going to get to 50 if you're the St. Louis Cardinals last year so hopefully we can not go back down that path at any point this season and that the the more things get under control pandemic wise the more baseball will feel like the sort of normalcy that we all hoped for in the last year and now maybe are going to get a chance to see. Yeah. And it, and it really feels like that's the case um, that the normalcy is coming because I didn't get to read the article today. I know Jeff Jones had it out that about the Cardinals plan to get vaccines. I've seen other teams that have talked about it or even starting to get the vaccines. Um, and, you know, as far as we know, I don't know for sure, but you know, antibodies are still, a thing. And so if that's the case, the Cardinals should have plenty of them on on their team since (laughs) so many people had it last year. Um, You know, it doesn't feel like, like there's a chance of a huge catastrophe this year, you know, knock on wood and all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't feel like there's a team that's going to wind up, you know, having to sit out for two weeks. It feels like, you know, there might be a case here or there. We know that there were some in spring. Joey Votto is just now coming back from his, um, positive thing, but that didn't stop the Reds. You know, I think they're able to contain it and um, manage it a lot better now that they know what they're doing. Um, and so, yeah, I think we can feel pretty confident that, okay, maybe there's a game here or there that gets canceled or a series that they have to make up, but 
there shouldn't be just this whole swath of, you know, wondering what's going to happen or if they're going to shut a season down. I don't think we have to worry about that. And um, that's nice. That's nice to know. Um, and the Cardinals have continued to, to press on through the spring um, in unique fashion. Um they still this week had to pull the starter out of the first inning and then put him back in to the game. They used Tommy Parsons twice in a game. Um, I think it was today um, that, um, which actually I did watch this part because I didn't see him in the first time. I saw him in the second time. And that apparently blew the Nationals announcers minds about a pitcher being able to pitch twice, which it probably tells you a little bit more about the Nationals pitching staff versus the Cardinals pitching staff uh, that they haven't had to worry about that. Um, all these little gimmicky things are about to go away. And we're going to really going to see what this Cardinals rotation and this Cardinals bullpen have. How concerned are you? Uh, I, well, let me just preface by saying this. I'm always concerned about pitching. <laughs> I don't know secret. that there's ever concerned. been. Yeah. It, it's, you know, that, um, what's the how, how do you what's the line from uh from banner yeah <laughs> it's like, that's that's yeah. my secret cap i'm right. always angry yeah exactly you're, you're there it is I, I started to say it when i was already messing it up so <laughs> sorry okay i knew what i was trying to say just couldn't get there don't take yeah. your nerd card just yet that's the secret i knew i knew the line i just couldn't you say the words apparently uh anyway but yes that's that's the secret i'm, I'm always worried about pitching i think that comes from all the different varieties of pitching issues we've seen from the Cardinals. And I'm sure it happens for other teams as well, but obviously the Cardinals are the team that I follow the closest. And the sort of repetitive issues that we see a number of seasons in a row, like the Michaelis issue or now with, with Kim and the fact that he's not going to be ready for opening day, which I think we kind of saw coming knowing mm -hmm. the, the way he'd been slowed down. So that's not a big surprise, but Yes, I'm concerned about pitching, which is funny to say I'm always concerned about pitching because the Cardinals as an organization tend to do pitching pretty well. Right, right. <laughs> but it just in the in the last, I don't know, handful of years has felt like it's pretty precarious, even if maybe it isn't. And maybe that's just a, a personal thing that always seems like it could go horribly wrong for me. <laughs> but um, I know not everybody is as worried about it as, you know, we've talked about being this spring. I think that what we have seen out of guys like Adam Wainwright has been really good. Jack Flaherty has looked better. Carlos Martinez looked better in his last start. There's still some concern about, you know, kind of that first inning mojo or whatever the, the deal is there. But he did seem like he was able to... Now, again, was it a perfect start? No. Is it what you're hoping for from Carlos Martinez that we saw three or four years ago? No. But is was he making progress? Yes. And, and I, I guess maybe that's a low bar at this point. I don't know. But it seemed like a good thing to see at this point in the game. And then, of course, filling in those two spots for Mike Liss and Kim is going to be interesting to watch, right? I think that Ponce de Leon and Gant were the only two obvious options. And so, no surprise, they're the guys that are there. But we've also seen those two uh, be successful in certain roles and maybe less successful consistently particularly as far as Ponce de Leon is concerned, in the rotation. So I, I am hopeful for their success. Gantt moving back into that rotation spot is going to be perhaps more 
nerve wracking for me just in the sense that he hasn't thrown that way in a while. But the Cardinals also have a pretty stacked bullpen. And I have to keep reminding myself that while the rotation is full of a lot of questions at this point, the bullpen is full of a lot of really great arms. And that could come to their aid once again. I say that with the perpetual caveat of bullpens are going to bullpen. So who really knows? Yeah, I mean, bullpens are by their nature volatile just because of the limited innings. And a guy that looks great one year is going to look terrible the next. So that, that happens. And the best of bullpens don't help you if you're down five to two or five to three or five to zero in the sixth inning or something of that nature. There yeah. is, you know, some need for the starting pitchers to at least keep your team in the ballgame or at least have the offense do as much as they can. Um, it is weird a little bit to be. To think of the rotation as a weakness, maybe not, maybe not a weakness is too, too high overstating it, but definitely not a strength of the Cardinals after what they have been through over the last few years. And that's, and you know, hmm? not, not to interrupt, but I, to just comment on that part of it. I think one thing for me that makes it perhaps more of a focal point is because it's been the area, the only real area of success, yeah. right? We haven't been able to watch a consistent offensive team that puts runs on the board at will. So this team lives and dies by <laughs> what their pitching staff does and how it, how well they can prevent runs. So I guess then to see some of the, so many question marks in the rotation feels like, okay, this thing that has to be solid for this team to win is a little less solid than I would like for it to be. And because that's where the attention goes, because the offense hasn't really been much to speak of, maybe that's why it's such a, a f- at the, it's so at the forefront of my mind and thinking about it. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, if, you know, if you, we know that the Cardinals can win with lackluster offense, because they've done it, they've done it for a number of years now. Um, you hoped that with the addition of Arenado that, um, you don't have to worry about it as much, but you think, okay, they can get by if, if the offense isn't doing much. We don't know that they can win if they don't have a strong rotation. Um, yeah. And that, that does bring a lot of concerns. And, you know, it, it has been in the past, even if there was a spot like this year with Gant and then Ponce de Leon in the back of that rotation, you say, okay, if they struggle, you can go pull up with this guy or that guy or this guy. But, you know, they have let that depth go to some degree with trades yeah. and everything of that nature, Alcantara to, to, to Miami and Galen, Galen to Miami, the Weaver to Arizona. And, you know, people like that, there's not much right now. It doesn't feel like that is really ready to take that step. Yeah. You know, is probably your next guy. You, you've Libertor and, and Zach Thompson maybe soon, but you know, there, there's not a lot. I mean, you're looking at, a Jake Woodford filling in a spot. You're looking at having to take John Gant, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a concern. And, you know, it's going to be here and, you know, starting Thursday, a pitcher throws 30 in- pitches in the first inning. You can't take him out and bring him back in. I mean, you're going to have to either, you know, <laughs> deal with it or um, or it's a long day for the bullpen. So, um, you know, no. Once the season gets going and these guys start getting their feet under the ground, it may be that we're worried and it's fine. But, you know, a month ago, we didn't expect to see 
Daniel Ponce de Leon and John Gant being announced as the fourth and fifth starters. And that is, I mean, that is still just a little bit disconcerting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think just to add to your list of depth that isn't there anymore, Mm -hmm. I don't think we can overlook the fact that Hudson isn't pitching this year Mm -hmm. and the fact that Austin Gomber was one of the go-to guys in the weirdness of last season and, of course, now is is in Colorado. So none of those things are – I mean, as far as the trade pieces, specifically Gomber, obviously (laughs) you make that move because of Arenado, but it does take away from that security blanket that you had when you came into camp – and said, well, we've got 10 guys for five spots. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't really have that this year. And mm-hmm. and that it doesn't mean that what they have can't work. It just means they don't have that kind of safety to fall back on because they don't have the Weavers and the the Gombers and the Hudsons for varieties of for, for a variety of reasons. But that's just the reality. So I think that's where the the hesitation comes in for me. And look, I think that the glass half full version of that is that every one of those guys in the rotation is entirely capable of having a rotation spot in the major leagues. I think there have been some consistency issues in some cases. There are some, you know, just concerns (laughs) really as far as Adam Wainwright in terms of how how durable he's going to be over the course of a full season. Mm-hmm. I think the concerns with Jack Flaherty are just continuing to live up to the potential that is there. And so there are reasons to be optimistic about every one of those guys for the roles that they have played, for the development that, that they've had, and the, the reason they're in that spot in the first place, right? But I think that ignoring the question marks maybe is a little bit... Uh, a little bit more than glass half full. It's like three. It's like three fourths <laughs> full <laughs> to ignore some of those things. That's probably <laughs> probably fair, and that's what I mean to to say. That's what we do. That's what we. I think that most of smart fans do. They don't. You know, you might be optimistic about things, but you got to at least acknowledge the problems that are possible there. And I think that's what you're doing, as we're seeing there now. Cardinals made their final roster cuts today which is a little bit interesting just because there's still one game to go and then two off days and the roster isn't finalized until they turn it in on probably the morning of opening day but this is what it's going to look like um obviously the the real clear ones are already known but um in the bullpen cody whitley goes down um and jake woodford stays up um that was seemed just a little bit surprising. I mean, Whitley pitched well last year um, in the little bit of time he got to pitch because he dealt with COVID as well, but he had a strong spring of last year. He's still a, a good prospect. I kind of thought he would just, he would make it up, you know, because he is one of the better arms. Um, are you surprised that they're not using him out of the bullpen? I think the Woodford thing makes a little bit of sense to me in terms of, the possible need for another starter, at mm. least to begin with. And I think Whitley made quite an impression, and and I don't doubt that we'll see him before long, <laughs> likely, just because that's how these things work. But I think Woodford makes sense in terms of the, the, the overall picture for the Cardinals right now. 
I think that this bullpen is, like I said, it's a strength. The, the mm-hmm. names that are there, you feel pretty good about for the most part. I think there's some question about Andrew Miller. There's always some question about Tyler Webb in the simple fact that you watch him and feel like, how is he, how has he been <laughs> yeah. as successful as he has been? This doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to just keep hoping it happens. It feels like that might catch up to him at some point, but yeah. um, you know, for the most part, this feels like a really solid group and to have a Woodford type guy who can slide in. And, and I know we, we, every, it seems like every team wants to have that long reliever that then they hope they never have to use, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which may end up being what Jake Woodford is, but knowing the, the state of the rotation at this point, particularly with Ponce de Leon and Gant at the back end of it, you may actually need someone to cover multiple innings out of the bullpen which I think Woodford has shown himself capable of doing, uh, you know, as well as his starting experience. So, uh, like I said, that makes sense to me from that point. And maybe that's, you know, from the outside looking in, maybe we can assume that's part of what made that decision for them. Yeah, he he looked good today um, coming in in relief of Matthew Libertor. Um, looking at his spring stats, which again... Uh, Really, and I, we kind of going into this on on mutual. I don't want to go into it too much here, on, but uh, the idea that we continue to say spring stats don't matter, and then we tr- expect them to base decisions on them, is <laughs> is a little bit contradictory. But you know, he did pitch um, eleven and a third, gave up just one run, uh, one run charged to him at least. Um, you know, Carly Whitley had a very good spring as well. But yeah, I mean, it may be that it's just to cover some innings until you know when when Kim comes back, you know. Yeah, if Woodford is, you know, maybe that's when you flip for uh, Whitley, uh, Whitley, because then you'll have either Gann or Ponce de Leon in that bullpen and you won't need a, another long guy like that. I would also say keep in mind the delayed start to the minor league season. Mm-hmm. So in order to have a sixth guy that could throw more than two innings if necessary – you may not want Woodford just kind of hanging out in no man's land at this alternate site, but rather they're on the ready if it becomes necessary. So that sort of delayed start to the minor league season, I think as much as the major league club may not have wanted to let that influence their decisions, uh, it might in, in some way. And that would be one player or one decision that I could see being impacted by the situation with the minor leagues right now, whether it was or not, I, mm-hmm. it, I don't know, obviously, but that that is part of the equation for them right now. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. You're right. I mean, that has to be part of it. Is how much, you know, how much are you going to get from a guy that's going to be pitching simulated games or whatever they're going to be doing across the river um, in Illinois this year? So um, that is that is a good point. Um, on the on the offensive side, um, bench guys that are going: uh, Nagowski, Sosa, Dean, Justin Williams, all make the team. Um, Lane Thomas goes down. Uh, Max Moroff and Jose Rondon go down. No, there was a lot of this, you know, maybe talk about Rondon versus Sosa. Rondon having a good spring, Sosa not having options. Um, really came boiled down to I think that one Sosa didn't have options, and two the Cardinals are, are familiar enough with him that they didn't want to let him go. Yeah, and that's sort of what I anticipated would happen. The Cardinals, as much grief as they've taken. Uh, for giving away outfielders in the last couple of years. They don't typically give up on a guy that they believe in until they have 
weighed all of their options, not not just contract options, but how they can utilize them as an asset in a trade or on the field in St. Louis. So I'm not surprised by that with Sosa. I'm very excited for Nagowski and Williams. I mean, I think they both did everything that they could have done this spring to mm-hmm. make an impression and that isn't always enough so to see them get that chance and is kind of becoming this uh, folk hero yeah <laughs> and i love it i love everything about <laughs> it so just from a storyline perspective i think that's really fun and it's not just a story either he's been terrific uh as as a the, the kind of guy that can be a bench bat for you. So I hope that that comes into play in a way that makes the Cardinals bench a little bit more, I guess, more valuable in terms of offensive production than it has been in, again, the recent past where, you know, the guys that came in off the bench were your defensive specialists and that was about it. You didn't really have the, the boost in a, a great pinch hitter or something of that nature. Now there were some guys who were able to do so, somewhat successfully, but there wasn't a a whole lot of confidence in that. I don't think from the outside looking in. So who knows what the, the playing time will look like for Nagowski or for Williams. I I was a little surprised by Lane Thomas being left off of that roster. I think obviously Harrison Bader starting on the IL freed up another spot for an outfielder. So maybe that's how Justin Williams slid into that position. But nonetheless, Lane Thomas is a guy that this organization has been really high on. And he was a a, a letdown last year, although again, dealing with COVID, Mm -hmm. who knows how much that impacted him long-term. And I think this season there were, once again, it seems like it doesn't matter how many outfielders they ship off somewhere else. There are still always <laughs> too many. <laughs> so just by factor of the numbers, uh, somebody had to somebody had to go. And, um, you know, I, I do feel like Lane Thomas still has something to prove. And maybe this will be an opportunity for him to get the work in, make the the improvements that he can once the minor league season begins, of course, unless he's somehow called up before then. But um, for those other guys, I, I love seeing those guys who make the roster out of the spring for the first time. It's it's really exciting. And I think they really earned it by the way that they carried themselves and, and performed in the spring. Yeah, yeah. Um, plus, I mean, yeah, as I've made this point, and Mundo Sosa just became a father at the beginning of spring training. It would have been just terrible, I think, if they had cut him um, <laughs> at, at that point. Not that that played anything into the decision. It's just, you know, you'd hate to see that. Um, right. That made it, you know, it happens, but they would have hated to see that. Um, yeah, it was. I'm, I, I don't think I could argue too much with what they did. And, and again, you know, we focus a lot on who is the opening day starter, who is on the opening day roster. But, you know, come the end of the year, we're not going to remember that. It's it's all going to be about who's on the roster to make the playoffs, you know. And um, I think if you told Justin Thomas, or Justin Thomas, Lane Thomas, he can make one or the other. He'd make the, you know, the one in October. <laughs> True. So, True. These guys are going to come up and down. They're going to make. They're going to play a part. You know, more often, run don't have a little bit more of an obstacle because they're not. At least, I don't think more off is on the forty man. Um, they may be both on there. I'm not sure. If they if they are, then that kind of defeats the purpose. But you know, if they're not, you got to be added to it. And and it's the you know 
once they come up, can they be sent back down? Do they have options? You know, all that kind of stuff factors mm-hmm. in as well. And um, it's it's not fun. It's not what fans want. They want the you know the, who had the strongest uh, spring, but you know sometimes the legal stuff you know trumps everything else. Um, and that's not entirely, but in part why. Matt Carpenter will be on this roster going forward. It's $18 million salary and the history he has with the team. Now the Cardinals have announced that Tommy Edmond will be the starter and he will be leading off and Carpenter's going to have to come off the bench and make an impression that way. Um, I don't think anybody's surprised about any of this. I don't think anybody expected anything differently. Um, there, that being said, we'll have to wait and see how much they stick to it too, right? Because it feels like this is something the Cardinals could say that. And then Carpenter starts three times in the first week. <laughs> it's possible. I will say I, I don't expect that simply because we're not talking about, about a guy who has played great for the last five years and had a rough spring. We're talking mm-hmm. about a guy right. that hasn't played great in a long time. And also had a really bad spring, not just like a mildly, oh, it was all right kind of spring, but like it was bad. And I think the the progress in terms of, you know, hitting the ball hard, but right at somebody you're into the shift or, you know, drawing walks or mm-hmm. whatever. That's great. I don't think there was enough there to feel comfortable with a significant Matt Carpenter, Matt Carpenter role with this team right now. So a, a bench guy who has to earn anything else, as much as it's difficult because of who Matt Carpenter has been in the past, that's really the only thing you can do with him right now for the sake of the team. And also, look, there were times last year where I felt like the insistence on putting Matt Carpenter out there for failure after failure after failure may have actually made things worse Mm -hmm. instead of instilling confidence. We said that sometimes with Mike Matheny and the pitching staff. Well, you let a guy blow up a game three or four or five times in a row, leaving him out there doesn't give him confidence. It gives him a complex. So I wonder if this sort of situation takes a little bit of the pressure off in terms of being a guy that has to contribute every single day for the team to succeed and allows Matt Carpenter to, in some ways, be a little bit selfish at this point and focus in on his own game and his own plan. And when he has the opportunity to play, hopefully start to figure some of those pieces out. But if he doesn't, you know, that has to be something that Mike Schilt is aware of and willing to make decisions based on for the good of the team, not just for the, you know, emotional uh, status of Matt Carpenter. Yeah. um, One for 36 this spring. I mean, it's 028. That's, I mean, that's not good at any time. I mean, we small sample, and yeah, but that's big enough sample to tell you that's not good. But like Alex said a couple of weeks ago, there can't be any part of someone's spring training plan where that's like, exactly. yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that <Yeah>. was helpful. <laughs> and again, and this does, I mean, there is a little bit of what we saw at the beginning of 2018 where people were saying he hit the ball hard, the underlying metrics are with it. There is a little bit to that. It's not to that extent, not to the extent that you expect it to you know, blow up and him be an MVP person. It's just that 028 probably isn't quite 
a great representative representation of how well he's done, but it's not that far off either. I mean, you know, give him, you know, five times that and you're still looking at a, um, a bad, a bad, uh, spring training. So I don't know. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how they use him. I mean, cause you know, a runner on third with two outs, you don't, do you send Carpenter up for the pinch hit? You know, do you need him to yeah. be a pinch hitter to lead off an inning so he can maybe draw a walk? Right. Um, I think that's going to be very interesting for him to f- figure out. And then I'm going to have to see if he can, you know, look, he's played up until like the last week or so. He was getting about as many at-bats as anybody else. He mm-hmm. wound up finishing, I think, with I say 36 at-bats, puts him about 10 off the leader. Goldschmidt had 46 to lead the team. So he had a very good amount of at-bats for the spring. And he still couldn't get it going. Can he get it going when he's getting, you know, five at bats a week, you know, seven, if he gets a start or something like that? I don't know. I mean, we haven't had to deal with that with Matt Carpenter. He's been a starter for, you know, six or seven years now, probably. I don't know if he can find his, you know, good groove while sitting on the bench. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely have to go back to the earliest Matt Carpenter days, right? The end of 2011 and and 2012, where he wasn't the everyday starter and he wasn't the core piece of the offense to see what it was that happened that created those opportunities for him to the point where at the end of that year, it was like, look, they got to create a position for him because you you got to have him in your lineup every day. So he's done it before working his way into that spot. But, you know, almost 10 years later, it's probably a little harder to repeat that than it was at that point. Quite frankly, I'm really tired of having to say these things about Matt Carpenter. <laughs> I, would, I would love for that not to be the case. Um, but unfortunately, that's his reality right now. And that makes it ours, too. Um. The Cardinals had four players. There's still one game left, so this could change a little bit. But as it stands right now, have four players tied with two home runs to lead the team this spring. And again, we know what Jupiter is like. We know what the, you know, that's not a great place for hitting and all of that. That being said, the Cardinals hit, I think it was 16 home runs as a team over the spring. Um, watching the nationals today, Josh Bell and Ryan Zimmerman have combined for 12. Um, is, you know, how much are we concerned about this lack of power? Because this is, a, this is this to quote to tie it back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. This is what we are concerned about because yeah. this is what we've seen for a long time. You know, your leaders, your home run leaders, Carlson had to, you know, Goldschmidt, Nagalski had to, who is not even supposed to be a, a guy with pop and Tyler O'Neill. I mean, you you feel like how much can you really give it to conditions and uh, and all that and how much of it is here we go again oh i wish i knew the answer to that <laughs> i will say if they still had colton long on the team they'd probably have at least two more spring training home runs <laughs> he loved to hit those uh those spring training homers uh but no it it is still a concern and you're right. This should probably be the thing that we're talking about more than the pitching because it's been the primary concern for this team for so long. And even the addition of Nolan Arenado in the spring 
didn't look a whole lot different than what mm-hmm. we've seen the last handful of years. Now, what you make of that or what that looks like when you translate those same players to those same circumstances in the regular season away from playing in a ballpark that swallows home runs. Um, although Bush isn't a whole yeah. lot better than that. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know when we can stop being so paranoid about the offense that we have to panic about the pitching when it's probably still going to be the strength of this team. I don't know what that looks like because it's been so long since we felt really good and really confident about the offense that the Cardinals were putting on the field. I think, I think my, my instinct at this point, like it is with most people is to not worry about it Mm -hmm. until we start to see what that looks like in more of the real world of the regular season. But it's, it's not, exciting (laughs) to see the continued lack of production to see the the whole Jeff Albert offensive approach still look a lot like it has for the last number of years now is that unfair because who knows what's going to happen in the regular season probably but it is all that we've had to work with at this point and you know it's not the explosive dynamic shift because of Nolan Arenado that maybe we would like to imagine will happen at some point. And maybe it still will. But, you know, again, it's that dichotomy of spring training numbers don't matter, but also we panic over them very easily. <laughs> yes, very much true. Also, Colton Wong, three home runs in spring. I see. I told you. Yep. Yep. They, of course, they lost know, a big chunk of their offense right there. And out in Arizona, it can be a little bit different, but <laughs> <True>. uh, <laughs> still, you're right. That would have been something interesting to watch yeah it's i mean you know the good thing is i start with three games in cincinnati um before going back to florida for three games <laughs> um so we didn't plan that out well but um and so you know you, you hope that they can kind of you know get to some of the reds pitchers and and maybe put a little bit of this to to rest i know there's an article with jeff albert in the Post-dispatch, Derek Gould's kind of put it out there on Twitter a couple of times. I haven't had a chance to read it. Um, but I think, I feel like the organization knows that they're going to have to have results soon, and it's probably this year. And, you know, they're not just, I don't think they're blindly going forward now. I mean, again, I haven't read the article to see exactly what they're doing, but it feels to me like, you know, they're still tweaking. They're not completely on board necessarily with everything. And at the end of the year, they'll reevaluate. And if they're still looking like, you know, when you go out and trade for a guy that's, you know, supposed to be this big thumper in the lineup, if you're not doing more, <laughs> you know, then I think you got to start looking at why, why not. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there's a lot of a lot of questions. And, you know, you hope that they come out Thursday and Goldschmidt and Arenado hit home runs and Flaherty throws six scoreless innings and everything gets off going well and, and they just start taking off. But uh until then, I guess we'll just have to concern ourselves with what they're doing in, in Jupiter and uh, and try not to worry too much about what the season's going to look like. Yeah, yeah. And look, as much fun as a hot start is, I think you made the point earlier as far as the roster, but the same is true for results. It's one thing to get off to a good start, but I mean, how many teams do we see that are hot right off the start of the season and also win the World Series? <laughs> So there is something to that sort of slow burn of a season that may not look as pretty at the beginning as it does at the end. And and that's okay too. It's just 
they got to get there eventually. And uh, unfortunately, uh, in the the most recent opportunities, they just haven't ever really seemingly gotten to that point. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully they get off to a good start and it builds that confidence that we were talking about Matt Carpenter not having and a lot of these questions get answered quickly and they can settle in much differently than they ever were able to last year. And we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. The only, the only thing that I would say is that there is that, uh, you know, opportunity, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be the Cardinals, but if somebody gets out there and sets a pretty good pace, you know, we should probably going to see, especially somebody like Chicago selling off parts um, rather than trying to, you know, fortify themselves or make a run at it. So if you can keep somebody like Chicago down one way or another, um, you know, you don't have to worry about them as much, maybe biting you later on. So um, the winds all count the same and you know, I'm fine with them getting a whole bunch of them as soon as they can. Um, but you're right. It's, you know, if they're, if they're off to a, you know, two and seven start, there's not quite time to panic just yet. Um, I mean, we still will, but. Oh yeah. Well, two and eight and it's season's over, but you know, um <laughs> Two and seven, nah. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll be concerned every day. Um, that's that's our talent. We're always concerned. So exactly. All right. Well, until next week. And next week, like I said, we'll have the the first series for the Reds under the Cardinals belt, and uh, hopefully some really positive things to talk about from that. So until then, that's Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans! Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.